HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, available on the internet at hearstranch.com. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host and producer extraordinaire, Sophie Schlesinger, is here. Hi, everyone. And uh, today we are very happy to have uh, Rin Caputo, uh, one of the owners of the Caputo Brothers Creamery in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, on the show with us to talk about mozzarella um, and specifically real mozzarella because yes. um, that's what uh, Rin and Caputo Brothers Creamery makes. And uh, I myself, although I've been selling cheese and dealing with cheese for many years now, learned so much from Rin in the uh, 45 minutes or an hour that she was at the shop. Um, with me a couple weeks back that um, I just really wanted to have her on the show so she can enlighten all of our listeners as well. Um, Rin, are you with us? I am. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for taking time out to be on the show. Absolutely. Love being here. Um, so I guess, well, it's it's very funny. I guess we met through the DeBruno brothers, right? We have them to thank. Correct. We do. Yep. The great guys in Philly. They are fabulous. And so the guys at DeBruno Brothers um, told Rin to get in touch with me, which just made, made my made my week pretty much. I was eating the cheese that we uh, <laughs> that we made uh, for days, and it was so delicious. Um, which I know is against the rules, but I did it anyways. <laughs> and there's some great photos too of of the cheese that Rin made on our Twitter page. If anybody wants to check them out, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was I was amazed because Rin showed up at the shop and, um, you know, she said she she made mozzarella curd and, and mozzarella. And so I expected her to show up, you know, with maybe just a bag, you know, with some balls of mozzarella in it. And we'd sit around and taste it. But no, Rin showed up with um, a bag on wheels with a bowl, <laughs> a hot water kettle, uh, frozen curd and uh, some really excellent butter and cream and proceeded to make, um, you know, mozzarella, uh, sfoglia, which is a, um, she taught me actually, which is a, a flat mozzarella, actually you kind of stretch it like pizza dough and then roll it up and you can put spices and things in it. Um, burrata, 
burrito, yeah. which is like burrata, but instead of having cream and um, curd in the middle, it has butter in which the middle. Is ridiculous. Oh, right. so crazy. And, <laughs> and I was just floored because I, I, to be honest, I'd never made mozzarella before and I had always been kind of intimidated by it. And um, it was just fabulous. So, um, okay. So, that, so I'm obviously totally in love and gushing, but um, maybe <laughs> <laughs> can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about how you got into um you know, cheese and, and what turned you into a real mozzarella evangelist? <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's true. We definitely are um, mozzarella evangelists for sure. Um, and, and really, um, we always tell people that cheese found us. Um, in that um, we had professional careers, my husband and I, um, prior to cheese making. And on our honeymoon, uh, he said to me, I think I, I want to leave, you know, my career and, and go be a chef. And um, I said, okay, great. That's <laughs> the kind of gal I am. And um, next thing you know, we had found a culinary program in uh, Calabria, Italy. That's the toe. And the program focused on, it was a full immersion. I mean, we did everything from, you know, make pasta, which you would expect, and gelato. But we also, you know, slaughtered a hog, and we spent an entire week making cheese. And really just fell in love with the process. Um, and But it wasn't until we came back to the U.S. that we we really couldn't find a lot of the cheeses that we were used to having over there. And more out of necessity, we started making at home. And a dairy that we were working with in Virginia kind of said to us, hey, would you guys mind being our cheesemakers? And we just kind of laughed because we were like, oh, no, we're chefs. <laughs> we're not cheesemakers. Um, but, you know, we just started um, working with um, – <clears throat> American artisan cheesemakers and studying with them and learning more and more about it. We started going back and forth to Italy, working with master cheesemakers and in all of the different areas, making um, mozzarella di bufala, the traditional mozzarella, as well as fior di latte, which is um, what the, the cow's milk version is considered over there, um, and burrata and burrino, and we even, you know, provola and cacciacavallo and just anything we could do to get our hands on the pasta filata or the stretch curd cheeses. And we just, it became our passion. And you know, to be honest, we we never really set out to be um, curd sellers, um, but we felt like it was something that was missing in the market. There were other curds available, but none of them were fermented, and we just felt like they didn't have the the flavor that we were looking for, that traditional Italian recipe. Um, so we took a technique that we learned working with our American counterparts of freezing curds um, and married it with our traditional Italian recipe that we had developed. And voila, we had this uh, fermented curd that basically, um, you know, we, we get right out of the kettle. It pauses the, the pH acidification process and people can keep it frozen for up to six months and thaw it and stretch any of the pasta filata cheeses whenever they choose. So now that was the part of the discussion where I kind of started to scratch my head and said, huh, fermented. I mean, yeah. I considered most, you know, I, I actually considered all cheeses to be fermented, maybe with the exception of, um, you know, ricotta and things that are very fresh right. like that. Right. But can you explain for our listeners the difference between your curd, which is fermented, and the rest of the mozzarella curd that's out on the market? 
Sure. So um, we actually, when we get the milk in, we actually add cultures, much like you would if you were making um, aged cheeses, um, you know, a cheddar, a gouda, a parmigiana reggiano, that type of cheese. You add cultures um, or bacteria to the milk that start to, to eat the food source, the lactose within the milk, and convert that into lactic acid. Um, most of the other curds that are available out there, um, instead of going and adding the cultures into the process, they add vinegar or citric acid or some type of artificial acidifier that fools the milk into thinking that um, it, it has acidified so that it can become cheese, but it never really goes through a full fermentation. So, for instance, what takes us about eight hours, and that's actually a little longer than usual. We just keep it at a low temperature just to make sure we keep as much moisture as possible. But, um, you know, most of the er other curd suppliers can do it about half an hour. Um, the analogy I use for people would be, like, the difference between if you took grape juice and let it ferment into wine versus taking grape juice and just adding vinegar to it and trying to drink it and say it was wine. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's really, I think that we, we all tend to know more about wine in this society, so I think people kind of get it when you use that example. And vinegar in grape juice doesn't sound nearly <laughs> as appetizing <laughs> as, as a maybe some of sort wine. of a health tonic, perhaps. Yeah. But um, right, right, right. So, well, let me ask this because um, you know I, I feel like this is um, something that I don't know that I've been hearing more about lately. Um, what about the cultures? Um, where do you where do you get your cultures? Um, are they different than what's available in Italy? And if so, do you think that you know one is superior to the other? Um, they are different, um, and in large part because they don't. So in Italy, they have, you know, their whole culture is set up very in a, in a very different way. So, you know, primarily they have casaficios or cheese stores that exist that produce mozzarella or fior de latte daily, 365 days a year. They're in production. Um, and you know, the cheese is really not meant to be refrigerated. It's meant to, you go to the store, you purchase your, you know, ball of mozzarella that you need for your day, and you go on your way. Um, and we're not really set up here for that. Um, but because they have that society there, they actually just use yesterday's way. Um, so they, it's kind of like having a mother yeast, if you would, for mm -hmm. bread making. They essentially just keep saving way from one day to the next. Our Department of Agriculture here is not really thrilled with us using yesterday's way. <laughs> and quite frankly, we don't make seven days a week. Um, so for us, it would be a little more challenging to manage that process. So what we actually did is, um, you know, over the course of six years, we went back and forth to Italy just kind of working and stretching and learning and just eating as much fiordolatte as we could till we just, you know, really identified what the key flavors were. And then we needed to make those work with our milk um, because, as my husband says, you know, he wants our cheese to be like a little trip to Italy in your mouth. Um, that if you have been there and you've tasted the cheeses there, that you say, yes, that's what I've been missing. And so we started with about 20 different culture combinations. We get most of our cultures from Canada. Um, and we settled really on two. Um, we go with a thermophilic bee culture, um, which is a Bulgaris culture that works in the thermophilic or the warmer range. Um, and that does most of the work for the acidity. And is that um, the same Bulgaris that you would see in, in yogurt? 
It is. It is. It's very, it's a very similar flavor. Um, in fact, a, a lot of people when they taste it say it's got that that similar tanginess to it. Um, and then our second culture is a is a mesophilic culture. It's a Floridanica, because we have heritage breeds um, that our, our cows are heritage breeds. They're Jersey, they're Guernsey, they're the Dutch Belted, which have a, a higher butter fat. Um, we really wanted to make sure that we intensified that butter flavor, and the Floridanica gives us that. It, it actually works really well with our process because it works in the lower temperature range, so, but it doesn't give a lot of acidity. So what we can do is pull those curds, and as they're going, as they're freezing, they spend a nice um, bit of time in that mesophilic range, and it just, you know, most people who taste our mozzarella say that it it has a little bit of lactic tang when you first um, you bite it, and then as you swallow, it's like this warm pat of butter. Um, and that was really what we felt like um, were the flavors that, that we felt, you know, were you know, similar to what we were used to. I mean, the bottom line is mozzarella should taste like something. I think we've just gotten used to in this country, mozzarella just doesn't taste like anything. And that's just not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, we're going to take a very quick break. But when we come back, sure. we have lots more questions. So stick with us on Cutting the Curd. grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef the authentic flavor of the American West Hearst Ranch. <laughs> Hearst Ranch, uh, they are great. Uh, they are a great ranch. Their beef is delicious, and we are very happy that they sponsored our show. Um, so today on Cutting the Curd, we are talking with Rin Caputo, owner of the uh, Caputo Brothers Creamery. Um, but uh, I should say it's you and your husband, and then the Caputo Brothers, you have two young sons who are also right. major cheese lovers. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, very true. Particularly our youngest, Mateo. He is uh, definitely a, I'd say future, but I think he might already be a cheesemonger. <laughs> He's uh, got a very discerning palate, and um, his absolute 
favorite thing is our, um, we have a whey-based regatta, and the moment he smells it coming through from our creameries connected to the house and he can smell it, he'll come running and say, I need cheese! <laughs> and it's, it's, it makes us feel like we're raising him right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, now, okay, so I want to ask you more, um, I want to talk about education a little bit, and um, sure. that, the ricotta comment actually reminded me of another thing you educated me about, um, because your ricotta has such a different texture, uh, your whey-based ricotta, than anything I had ever had before. And you were ta- mm-hmm. talking about the interesting difference in proteins. Um, Correct. That gives it that texture. It does. So there's two proteins in milk. Um, and ricotta that's made in this country um, is made with, um, even if it's made with skin milk, it's made with both proteins. Um, the, the process of ricotta, as it was traditionally um, designed, was to make use of the whey. In this country, most of the whey is taken off and dehydrated and made into whey protein powder that we, you know, have in a sports bar or smoothie or something. Um, but, you know, quite frankly, we're just not big enough for that, and we we are obsessed with whey-based ricotta um, because it's just, it, like you said, it's so different. Um, essentially what we do is we harvest the whey after we cut the curds, cutting the curd, um, and we, uh, we, as long as it's, it's still in what's considered the sweet range, um, which is typically above 6.0 on the pH scale, we take and put that into a second kettle and then we re-cook it, which is what ricotta means. Um, and we bring that up for an, a, a second coagulation, essentially getting out the second protein that is in the, the milk. So one protein goes into our mozzarella curd. The other protein goes into our whey ricotta. So that's different than traditional ricotta in that when they make it with the whole milk, it you get both proteins in one. And that's why if you've ever taken ricotta and kind of put it between your fingers, it's got a little bit of a graininess to it. And that's because that protein that should have gone into a cheese curd just isn't meant to be treated that way. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't play nice. Um, the other nice thing is our ricotta is nearly fat-free. We only dose with 5% milk. Um, so it's really 95% whey-based. I call it the Italian sports bar. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. And so, well, and so you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but the two proteins, um, you said that there's casein, which is the protein found in milk, and then the albumin is the second protein. Right. And that was the thing that really got me because I was like, oh, albumin, I always think of eggs when I think of albumin. And when we ate that ricotta, it had a custardy texture to it that just blew me away. And it was like, you know, an egg-based dessert almost. It it is. You know, we have have, um, some of the chefs who use our ricotta actually literally turn it right out of the basket, slice it like a piece of pie, and serve it just like that with a little bit of a chutney or a jam or a honey or something on it because it's just sweet. And like you said, it's got that kind of yummy dessert custard flavor to it. Um, it you just can't help but eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I think I brought I brought uh, the one that you brought us into the into our cheese cave um, the next day, and we just dumped some olive oil on top of it and went to town. Oh, it was, yeah. It was awesome. It was a little bit of a scene. It got a little <laughs> ugly, you know. People were fighting over. <laughs> That's right. Nobody's saying, "Oh, yeah." And it's great. It's good for you. When does that ever happen? I Never. Yeah. The something you love so much is actually good for you. So it's great. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, continuing on the education, you know, sort of uh, topic, you have to do so much educating. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like much more than other cheesemakers do because of the fact that you sell a raw product. You're not selling a finished cheese. Um, so right. can you talk a little bit about how you approach educating um, consumers and chefs about how to use your curd and how to, you know, manipulate it into something delicious? So I think, you know, the first thing out, the first misconception that we always have to get over is everyone just automatically assumes they know everything there is to know about mozzarella because it is the number one cheese in our country and you see it all the time. Um, and, you know, what we find is it's actually the opposite. There's, there's actually very little known in this country. Um, I think it's just a cheese that's kind of taken for granted. And quite frankly, there's a lot of it out there that just isn't that great. Um, so our biggest hurdle to overcome is just really making people understand what it means for it to be fermented, what it means for it to actually be cheese, why um, mozzarella should actually taste like something. Um, And then, you know, assuring them that it's easy. Um, I mean, my 11-year-old niece did it as her science fair project this year. Um, Mm -hmm. She stretched the cheese, I mean, and got a overwhelming reception, I should say, um, because a lot of people just don't know a lot about cheese, and this is an excellent way to introduce them to the process. Um, Even though most cheeses are not finished by stretching, this is a cheese that almost everyone knows at least something about and has probably eaten at some point in their life. Um, So I think it's great when you get them in front of the cheese and you actually let them get their hands on it. You know, I was working with eight or nine chefs this morning, and they were just amazed at how simple the process was. Break up, thaw the curd, break it up, put in 180-degree water with some salt, and start stretching. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. What's great about it is because it is fermented, it can hold up to all the different types of cheeses um, that come from pasta filata or stretch curds. So it's not just about mozzarella. You can also make the stracciatella or the burrata or the burrino, um, you know, or even take it into provola, cacciacavala, or scamorza. You know, I mean, I guess that's what's really cool about it is it's this, like, I don't know. I mean, like you said, I'm an evangelist. So it's like a <laughs> gift, I think, to the culinary world at large that take this and, and then make it your art, you know. I, I say the world is your mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so maybe can you explain for us? I know, obviously, and you also have videos on your website, right? Yes, of how we do. You do this. And what's your website? Just so our listeners can uh, can check you guys out. It's CaputoBrothersCreamery.com. And Brothers is spelled out all the way. Great. Great. Um, but so that is obviously the best way to witness or even better is actually to be in front of Rin making yeah. mozzarella because then you're just like, you know, your jaws on the floor like mine was. But um, can you explain um, a little bit of just, you know, the simple steps that one must take to make, uh, you know, to turn fresh curd into mozzarella? Sure. So, um, like I said, we sell it frozen. Um, it works great with our, you know, society and our supply chain here because it comes frozen. You can keep it in your freezer up to six months. 
We have special bags that are graded down to negative 44 degrees to protect the curd as much as possible. So you could even keep it in your chest freezer, and quite frankly, it might last you for years. Um, you take it out when you're ready to use it and thaw it in your refrigerator overnight is what I typically tell people. Um, and then you need to use it within 24 hours. Um, you take it, it comes just kind of in a, a one-pound block, and you just break that into nickel or dime-sized pieces. Um, you don't want to do too small um, because it's a surface area thing. So we, when we're going to add the hot water to it, we want that hot water to warm up those curds, but not too quickly. So we want to make sure we have a nice, some nice little chunks there to work with. Um, then if you're going to be using it in a fresh application, so for mozzarella, burrata, stracciatella, burrino, those types of cheeses, you would directly salt the curd. And I typically say um, three healthy pinches per pound. Just, you know, get a, a nice pinch of salt in your hand. It's going to look like a lot of salt, but most of it gets diluted in the make water. And then um, once you've mixed in your salt, um, you add your 180-degree water. You allow the curds to warm up, and um, as you'll see in the videos online, I just have a simple wooden spoon that's from my kitchen, and um, we don't pull mozzarella. Again, in our process of educating, that's one of the biggest things we have to, you know, get people to overcome in their mind. We don't even stretch mozzarella. I always say we let mozzarella stretch itself, and, and basically what you do is you just use that paddle kind of scoop up the curds and you'll start to see it's almost like a, a, a waterfall or as a lot of people tell me it looks like taffy and it just the proteins begin to elong, elongate that's what actually changes the consistency and, and takes it from being a firm kind of spongy like curd into this pillowy satiny soft uh, ball of mozzarella and, uh, and, and from that point, literally, um, you can make it into one big ball, you can make smaller balls, you can do bocconcini, you can, um, you know, pull it out into a, a, a long rope and tie knots or braids. We even do in Pennsylvania what we call pretzarella because we're known for our pretzels here and we make a little pretzel shape. We do a cold smoke on it to turn it brown and we think it's very clever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure <laughs> um, very delicious. That's making yeah. me hungry. Yes. Yes. Um, and then you can pull it into strings or you can um, do the method we call the ravioli, um, which if you look on the videos, you'll, you'll see what that means. But that's where we put the stracciatella inside to seal it up to make burrata. Or we do what I think is one of the world's greatest inventions. I mean, how do you make cheese better? You butter it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. A, a nice big block of butter wrapped in cheese, I mean, forget about it. It's just amazing. Um, but one of the easiest ways to start, as you mentioned earlier, Anne, is with what we call sfoglia or sheeting it. And this is really a lot of fun for kids. You pull it out of the make water and you just stretch it out into a big sheet, just like pizza dough, fill it with toppings. My kids love it with like a salami or pepperoni or prosciutto. Roll it up into a long log and then slice it into pinwheels. And you just have like the perfect bite of an appetizer. It's excellent. Yeah. Very impressive yeah. to um, <laughs> to any guests that you would have over too. It's a uh, yes, it's, yes. Can you imagine if you said to your guests, uh, "Excuse me." 
excuse me. I'm just going to run into the kitchen and make some cheese. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone scratched their heads. Huh? What? (laughs) So, yeah, well, it is a really, uh, like I said, a a phenomenal process to watch and and an even more phenomenal process to do. I haven't, I haven't done it myself yet, but, um, but I fully plan to. Um, yeah, we at Sax Will Be Cheesemongers are very excited. We um, are going to be working with you guys soon. We're kind of in the yes. process of getting it all started. But we're very excited to be, uh, you know, to have your curds in the future for people who are interested in learning to stretch their own mozzarella. Um, but other sources, um, how can people get your mozzarella uh, right now at this very moment? Or the, the curd, I should say. Well, um, so we do have... Um for wholesale, they would contact you. Um, so if there's, you know, chefs out there who are interested, um, you know, we'll make sure that, that we get them, um, you know, all set up to, to go on that. Um, but um, we are carried at Murray's, um, and uh, um, they sell retail currently. So if you want to rush right out today, they have some in stock there um, in the village. Um, but, you know, besides that, we're, Honestly, we're just growing, um, so we don't have, like, a national website set up like that or anything. Um, what we typically encourage people to do is to reach out to us through our website. We do have contact information on there, and um, basically what we, you know, can do is just make sure we get you either in touch with someone. We do have chefs throughout the country who are using us now, um, so we can either get you in contact with someone who's close by who can, you know, um, a lot of the chefs say, you know, just let us know in our order. We can add some retail bags. Um, or, you know, if you're willing, um, we can, uh, um, you know, get it shipped overnight. It's just a little more expensive to do that way. So we're working on a little more of those details, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get that up and running here shortly just so we can get some more retail out there across the country. Absolutely. Well, we we are excited to be a part of that because, um, yeah. yeah, like I said, after after you know you came into the shop and made that mozzarella, I am now a true believer. <laughs> I, I will I will join the ranks of mozzarella evangelists. So um, great, I love it. I love it. Go out there and you know spread the word. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, to anybody out there listening, it really is worth it. Um, it it's just a great a great thing to do. So go out there, yeah. get some get some curds and uh, uh, and stretch away. <laughs> uh, excellent. I love it. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you having us. Oh, thank no, thank you. And we will be back next Monday with another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Anne Saxelby. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You're you can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.